Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sex Ed Taught Me. This is your host, Natalie Walton. For this episode, I have on another guest, just like Viv, who I know from my K-12 through days. Cody and I talk extensively about how our experiences as lesbians have varied and discuss the factors as to why that might be and what the future holds for queer sex ed and representation. Uh, this episode was a lot of fun and it took many, many, <laughs> many detours. Uh, we covered a lot of ground in what I consider to be a fairly short time, and I'm really excited to be able to share this with you all. So I hope you enjoy, and without further ado, here is Cody. Okay, um, well, hi, I'm Dakota, or most people call me Cody, um, and I'm here doing this really interesting interview for a very, very cool person um, who I've been lucky to know for a while. Um, we're going to talk about sex and sex ed experiences. I know that's probably your line, but I'm just really looking forward to it. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um, so this question is going to be a little bit weird because we basically grew up in the same area. <laughs> I'm going to say basically is that we, we did grow up in the same yeah. area, but that's fine. Um, so can you, from your perspective, can you tell me a little bit about kind of our hometown and kind of the people we grew up around, what our high school is like, that kind of idea? Yeah, definitely. But I, I will actually add a little bit that um, I lived in West Virginia for about four-ish years. Um, I lived in the Panhandle right before I came back um, to middle school. Yeah, I guess I started sixth grade back in Delaware. So I was born in Delaware, left and came back. Um, and West Virginia was actually where I did have my first like sex ed class sort of thing. And that uh, where I lived in West Virginia was kind of like a transplanted East Coast, to be completely, or sorry, transplanted West Coast, to be completely honest. Like, it was a very small, hippie-type town. It was called Shepherdstown, um, and there's a small college there, and it was just full of a bunch of weed-smoking theater <laughs> kids, like, literally. I, it can't, it really didn't get more West Coast over here than there, you know, just mountains everywhere sort of thing, and that was a very relaxed area when most people think of West Virginia they're like Appalachian Hicks sort of idea um this was totally opposite of that just a lot of like tie-dye and whatever Newark on the other hand I think is a perfect little example of suburban chokehold um which I think is surprising no I think it's surprising to a lot of people when they hear about that because like it's Delaware and you know what what can go on in Delaware um but I think it's a weird little town with a lot of leftover tradition and old fashionedness because um, it's full of a lot of old retired people. You know, a lot of people retire to Delaware. And as an academic institution goes, you know, UD pushed out um, lots of, I mean, Newark literally pushed out a middle-class black community to set up a university. So what we got left was just a bunch of affluent white people who then bleed into weird little suburbia that when the college is going on, it's just frat kids, you know, <laughs> frat and sorority people. They're just surrounded by that. Um, and then growing up, I lived in like a middle-class little suburban neighborhood where kids go to each other's houses sort of thing. And, you know, parents get day drunk. Like... <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually think that's a, a really good isolation of it because it really is 
so hard to explain to people kind of what it's like to be in Delaware and in like Northern Delaware specifically and just trying to explain like like when I say that growing up was kind of like boring like if I describe suburbia like you like you are picturing Newark like you don't have to try and like people always think I'm kidding or exaggerating when I say that but when I talk to other people from Newark they're like no I totally get what you mean like (laughs) it's yeah it's not notable yeah it's It's literally any town like if if any when I read a a book and they have an any town USA location it's just Newark in my head Um, so let me think, how would you describe kind of like sex ed within kind of the context of that? So you're thinking about the classes because we would have taken the class around the same time, if not like the same exact time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so how would you describe the sex ed that we have? And do you think our living situation influenced the sex ed? Yeah, um, I would say so because I think our sex ed classes were really boring. (laughs) Like, I don't think anything particularly controversial ever happened. I don't think anything particularly, like, I remember in high school, we had, like, a regular sex ed course where we just covered whatever, like, very basic stuff, like, yeah, condom, whatever, like, and then on certain days, we had, like, visitors from other organizations, religious visitor or somebody from AIDS Delaware sort of situation, and those were, like, the only times it ever got interesting. Um, yeah. like, so I, like, uh, when AIDS Delaware visited me and this other queer kid in the class got into a discussion about, because like, he, like, put up the bases on the board sort of thing, <laughs> and, and, like, the final stage was, like, penetration is the final stage, and all the two of us, we were like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Are we are we gonna assume that's always the final stage here? Why is it gonna be a dick or a phallic thing involved? Like we were so mad, and the whole class was like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is happening?" Um, because again, otherwise it was just super tame. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect summary because it's <laughs> it's funny because thinking that I started this podcast, it would be easy to assume that like I remember a whole bunch of my sex ed classes and like I feel all fired up because I remember stuff. And I think the reason why I'm fired up is because I don't remember anything. Like it's yeah. like I think about maybe three very specific classes and then mm-hmm. outside of that, I'm like, I don't really remember what we went over. Like I remember bits and details and like I have certain memories, but it's like I could like was it good? I don't know. Like, like, did I, it's, it didn't seem to make an impression on me outside of, um, the group that came in at one point that was kind of like, you know, just don't do it. Like that yeah. was the one group that, that had any sort of impact because their whole message was so like scary and firm. And I was like, okay, okay, I promise. <laughs> like, but outside of that, I'm like, I remember who my teacher was and I remember people like, giggling but outside of that I'm like I just I don't know and I think that's a really hard thing to be like oh yeah you know it's probably fine because it's like if I can't remember it it probably wasn't because obviously I didn't retain anything so it wouldn't have been helpful later so yeah that about covers it (laughs) exactly (laughs) and then would you consider I would say that our classes were more abstinence-based would you have the same kind of idea because it it definitely did feel very like you probably should not 
but also like here's here's the occasional tidbit of information like if you yeah. do happen to because i mean in terms of like harm reduction strategies they really didn't cover they were like you know here's how not to get pregnant and um this might help you not get an sti um but they didn't really go over i don't like i don't even remember going over like much of consent sort of thing or any kind of like abusive relationships or um and we certainly didn't in get into the nuances of like continued consent like you know once you are already having sex what goes on from there sort of thing yeah i'd say it was mostly just like please don't but if you do use a condom and don't get pregnant okay bye like <laughs> Uh, no, because I think about it, too. And I think one of the big, like, developmental thing for people is usually, like, you know, learning to, like, this is so strange, <laughs> but, like, learning to put condoms on things. Like, I feel like that's, yeah. like, a, and, like, we didn't even do that. Like, we didn't even go that far. They were just, like, you, you'll figure it out. Like, just don't ask us. <laughs> yeah, do not, like. <laughs> I feel like they were just, they told us, like, you know, never tear the package with your teeth sort of thing. And, like, generally had an overview of, like, things not to do when putting on a condom but never did a demonstration or had anyone try, which I think is a serious failing if you're in high school and you're not even gonna, you know, shell out a little bit of cash for some friggin' like vegetables and condoms. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, so kind of I don't like kind of combining your experiences. So thinking back to growing up in kind of this like hippie West Virginia environment, was the sex ed that you received in high school kind of like your first big experience with sex ed or did it start younger? Started way younger. So my uh, mom has a PhD in sociology. Um, yes. her, yeah, uh, her, her PhD is in family studies, but her, she, she has multiple other degrees. Um, and she taught, she's a professor, she taught gender studies and sex. So I yes. like a six-year-old walking around all these sex textbooks and stuff, you know, I'd open something randomly and there would be like a diagram of oral sex. And I'd be like, hey, what's this? And my mom would be like, well, that's oral sex. Like, <laughs> it was a very, very open kind of relationship about sex in my household. Um, so I, like, I have very distinct memories of, like, asking my mother certain things. Like, this is really dumb. Like, when I found out what an erection was, I was like, mom, is there, like, a female version of an erection? Like, because I I had no idea because an I was, honest question, and I, you know, it's, and, and she told me legitimately, like sort of thing, or or I heard like I heard the term clit one day, and I was like, "Mom, what's a clit?" And she was like, "Well, it's for pleasure for women, like very directly." And even if I didn't understand what that meant, you know, years later, I would be thinking back, and I'd be like oh shit <laughs> that's what she was talking about like she she would just answer those questions so by the time I had any kind of formal sex ed I was like I got this this is this is fine I was a weird kid <laughs> no I I really do feel like there's a certain amount of like separation between the kids who get like the early sex ed and the kids who just get because like for me I was one of the kids who got like really late sex ed like mm -hmm. it was like in high school that was pretty much when I actually was sat down to learn anything yeah and I feel like the people where they were able to have these open conversations with parents younger it's like by the time they reach sex ed they're like 
I already know all of this. Like, I feel very comfortable with all of these terms. And like, I'm, I feel very kind of comfortable with my myself in different ways. And I, I don't know, I think it's really interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know what it means. Like, I'm not going to try and make any sort of like, you know, predictions based on that. But like, I do think it's really interesting to see that and how much it can influence people just like starting just a little bit younger, just like, you know, taking it down before, you know, the age of like 14, which is ridiculous yeah. for me to think about now. Right. I know, like a 14 year old who by that point, I mean, yeah, I don't know if there have been any formal studies or whatever, but just based on, you know, like my own friend groups or people I've talked with sort of thing, how many, like, for example, women are aware of masturbation very early on. I mean, there are documented cases of like people, you know, kids like 10 and younger, you know, masturbating. And, and it's, I think hard because there's this whole societal sense of shame around sex and sexuality to the point where, you know, just everything's completely forbidden, verbatim, whatever, and not, and, and it creates not necessarily overtly, but kind of a sense of shame about sex, you know, a taboo and a a fear about it. And if you're not even learning terms or if you're not even having someone who's just willing to explain to you what like arousal is you know because you're not gonna go out when you're nine and you ask what arousal is you're not gonna go out and try to get fucked like that's not really what happens so if you can create an idea of at least curiosity or a, a sense of being comfortable enough to ask those questions in the first place you create a person who is already comfortable enough to understand themselves and the world around them when it comes to sex. Yeah, no, and I think that's a really good point in terms of just like understanding yourself. Like when people ask these questions, it's usually just because it's like their body, like, you know, like it is something that you are, you are living within, like you are walking around as this person in this form. And it's Mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't you want to teach somebody all of the parts of that so they understand right. themselves a little bit better it's like why would you want to just like completely cut off certain parts of them and be like no 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 like you'll you'll figure it out later yeah it's like there's no guarantee that they will you know what I yep. mean like it's kind of like you sit them down for a class and if you I only got like the one sex ed class like I don't know about you but like it was like one yeah it was one. for me yeah and it's like if I didn't like I didn't learn anything really from that so it's like beyond that it was all on me and it's like for people who don't have any interest or don't know where to go or don't know who to ask it's like so they get that that one little chunk of information and after that point it's just up to them that seems ridiculous to me like it's just I don't get it at all I'm like why wouldn't you keep (laughs) like keep providing resources for people it's really I don't know I just it feels strange to me that that's one of those things where people would completely just like cut it off and be like oh well you didn't learn it during your like one mandatory (laughs) sex ed class you you know good luck (laughs) exactly exactly you know google exists whatever and then you get into a whole other level of damaging sex ed online (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) yeah no the uh the whole Google thing is like, I'm glad it exists on some front because it's like, you know, I think it can help with like just being able to ask those questions and like you don't have to bring it up with anybody. Like I know for me personally, that was a huge part of me like, you know, coming out, like just kind of like figuring out like, oh, like what is going on? Yeah. But it's also like, I remember the stuff I read on there and it's like, I didn't need to be reading that. Like there's a lot of stuff where I'm just like, it probably didn't 
benefit me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think about it now and I'm like, some stuff definitely did. Other stuff, I, I think it would have been better if I'd heard it directly from somebody, like an adult yeah. in a classroom or, you know, even like a doctor or somebody along, right. along the way. So. I, sorry, I'm like, somebody was yelling up the stairs, I think, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> sorry, I just couldn't, <laughs> it was like, was that to me? I don't know. No, it's um, okay. Honestly, I'm kind of concerned. I have neighbors that right above me in the apartment unit, they play video games very loudly. Like, I don't know if they have headsets or what, but they're clearly like first-person shooter type online, like multiplayer gamers, and just screaming. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little early for them right now. They usually come out around like 10 or 11. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So getting back into it. So <laughs> relatedly to like this whole, you know, Google versus classroom versus, you know, other sorts of information, mm -hmm. where else do you, like, do you feel like you learned anything from friends or books? Or I know for me, like, you know, music videos and kind of like pop culture and TV shows was really big. Um, I remember like magazine articles, like I saw an ad for like the L word and that was like, that <laughs> like developmentally was like... <laughs> That had a huge effect on me. I'm gonna, I'll say it. I'm open enough to be able to admit that now because it was really, it's, <laughs> I've held on to that for like seven years. And oh I've my like, God. Never gonna talk about it. But yeah, um, yeah. But if there's anything that you had a similar experience with. Yeah, I mean, definitely like um, <clears throat> magazine sort of thing. Like, sure, I saw magazine articles. Like, I would see Cosmo sort of thing. I'd see the, the uh, titles of Cosmo magazines or, like, little article blurbs or whatever, and I'd, I'd be curious. I uh, want to know more about that. Um, uh, I read, read a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> uh, like, I read Harry Potter fan fiction, um, and I would read Harry Potter fan fiction that had sex <laughs> you're not the only one I can say I, I was not part of that but you're not the only one I, yeah. I stand with you I get um, it <laughs> and that actually started after again weird kid uh 11 or 12 years old I guess I went to this um what's it called mountain meadow it was this overnight summer camp in New Jersey that was for queer kids and then queer parents to send their kids to like it was gay camp there's like, oh. like I went to gay camp um and I found a group of friends there and I mean I would say pretty much all of us were just a bunch of questioning or out kids by that point we had like you know like jazz included my sister like three people I think who identified as straight and I don't know that they all do anymore you know <laughs> like, um so overnight camp and we all just got to talking about many things um they influenced a lot of my curiosity because it was ranging from like uh probably like nine was the youngest and then we had some 16 year olds you know like junior counselors situation stuff um so we definitely like younger kids learn from some of the older kids, like ask questions and not all the information was always accurate, but you know, <laughs> the older kids wanted to seem cooler and the younger kids just ate it up. We were like, yes, that seems totally real. Thank you for your <laughs> wisdom uh, about kissing and whatnot. <laughs> like, thank you. 
Um, so I returned from that with a lot of questions. Um, and then I had my first girlfriend there and we like held hands or whatever and blushed. Oh. So yeah, it was just, it was absurd. Um, but you know, after that point we would like email, email and like text sometimes or whatever. And we'd like talk about kissing or whatever. And remember distinctly at one point she like texted me, told me she like had a dream about kissing my neck. And I was like, whoa. That seems really extreme. The scandal of it all. <laughs> it's very, it's like, oh, that's very scandalous. I'm very, like, flustered. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and so I, I don't know, like, I started <laughs> writing fan fiction also, despite having zero experiences. I was like, I want to write about the things that I want to experience. Um, and I did. And... And again, then I got feedback from friends, you know, got on <laughs> Tumblr. <clears throat> I, I was on that boat too, Donnie. And that's how I got so much of my information. It's <laughs> like, I think about it now and I'm like, oh my God, I just had free reign over that website. I just was, I, the things that I saw, <laughs> like the things that we've been through. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was on Tumblr. I made, actually I have friends to this day who I made at the time. Um, and like talked about stuff with them and then um yig youth and government was one of the first places where i met other out people i mean like it was in high school i knew out people in high school sort of thing but that i spent a lot of time with um especially like over the weekend sort of thing um and i met two girls who were in a relationship and actually like an active sexual relationship I asked them so many fucking questions. <laughs> I was like, please just literally run down, like start from the beginning, go all the way through. <laughs> and they were really open about it, which I was very lucky to experience to meet people who would like actively discuss their sex lives with me. Um, and like sort of just went from it. Like, I'd say friends definitely had the major influence of of teaching me about sex or getting me interested in sex um and then uh, books i had a I had a friend who read a lot of romance books they were awful and uh, and i if you know just straight people just straight people romance books and i read them anyway because uh, i just wanted to know um and that's where i think most <laughs> most of like my sex myths come from is like straight romance and straight people said straight people sex <laughs> that was like at the time I was like this shit seems whack like <laughs> I don't want to experience that <laughs> that was me um yeah <laughs> Well, and what's funny is actually I, I had a really similar experience with romance novels because it's like there wasn't very much out there for like the queer ladies. Like yeah. I was like, I, I don't think I saw like a lesbian in a book until recently. I'm like, I yeah. thinking about like, you know, young adult literature that would have been accessible for me at the time. It's like definitely not very many options growing up, if any at all. So it's like, you know. And I ended up veering toward like the the straight romance thing too. And it's like, I'd read them and I'd be like, I guess this is appealing. Like, I, I guess this is what I'm supposed to want. Like, it, yeah, it was like when, 
when like a, a woman talked about her pleasure in a situation that I could, I had a whole, like, I've, I've never necessarily questioned my gender. Like I certainly don't fit the mold of, you know, stereotypical femme woman sort of idea. Like I've never thought that I was trans or that I should be a man. Um, but when I could imagine myself in the role of the guy in a romance novel, much more interesting. <laughs> so. No, I and honestly, even speaking as like a femme, like yeah. I get that. No, yeah. I, absolutely, I understand that. Like that's, that checks out for me because it really is like, just wasn't, appealing like it's just it's really hard I think to explain to people and it's such a like niche thing to be like I just I don't get it like I just I simply I I I cannot wrap my mind around it like yeah. it's, it's all like that's fine I I support you I want right. <laughs> like but it's just it's not for me the lifestyle mm -hmm. just does not check out and it's really I I think so much of my young adult life was shaped specifically by the straight romances that I was reading and like this idea of like okay so this is what everything that I'm consuming is telling me I'm supposed to do like great okay right. sounds good I guess I'll I'll try <laughs> If you really want me to. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really, and it's like, I just think about how much of an impact it would have had if maybe I had a couple of resources or so. I mean, obviously there was a lot of like discomfort and a lot of like internalized homophobia with like trying to come out and a lot of stuff where I was like, even if I did have a book handed to me, I'm not sure if I would have responded to it like 100%. But I think if it had you know, continually showed up. Like if somebody kept saying to me, like if adults in my life were like, no, it's fine. Like it's, you know, this is okay. Like you do not have to date men. Like, please, like don't force yourself to do it. It's fine. Yeah. I really, I wonder how much it could have changed a lot of my perceptions and, you know, a lot of my middle school and high school years, as opposed to sitting and Googling things like, am I gay quizzes? And <laughs> <laughs> oh that's amazing oh amazing yeah no but like like definitely like if because I talked about the shame thing earlier like around even early discussions of at least like clinging like literally what a vagina is for example there's even more of that placed on homosexuality or just queerness because there's an automatic label applied to anything. Like, you know, the whole idea of, oh, what are you? She's a lesbian, but my kids aren't ready to hear about that yet because it's automatically a sex thing. And they're like, that is not appropriate for children. Children cannot know about these types of identities because it's automatically just about who you like to fuck. And <laughs> that is unbearably frustrating because you have kids then who just push themselves down into heteronormative labels cisnormative labels if it's about their gender because that's what society is telling them is appropriate yeah no it really because it's like i mean i knew i saw kira knightley for the first time in pirates of the caribbean and i knew immediately yes! i was like seven years old and i was like I don't know what's going on in me right now, but I know it's, it's something, this is something like, like this is a moment, yes. <laughs> but it's like, I spent so many years after that point being like, no, maybe not, maybe it wasn't. And it's like, no, it definitely was. Like, it's like, yeah, see, you know, you can, you can keep trying to deny it all you want, but it's going to keep coming back. And I'd be like, we're just, we don't have the time for that. And I'm like, 
oh god I just wish somebody had been like we do have the time for that that's okay like it's gonna save you a lot of time and effort and a lot of just like frustration and kind of the like what do I do like where do I fit in what am I supposed to be doing with myself I think it just would have would have avoided a lot of that and I but I mean, it is, you know, I have lots of good stories of moments where it was like, oh my God, how did you not see it? Like how did, like you really just lived your daily life and just like, it didn't occur to you that like, that was not a straight thought. Like that was just it's like, not a straight thought. it's just like, and not something straight people think, um, best of luck, but like, but yeah, no, that's, I feel, I think it's fun that we, well, not fun, but like, I think it's interesting how different our experiences were with growing up because especially because I remember Newark as being a super hetero place, like aggressively to the point where I was like, cause I think it was maybe you and then like a couple of other people where I was like, okay, like, yes, I, I know they are out. And then otherwise I was like, who else? Like, it was like, I just, I didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's. I was gonna say something too like it's really interesting just thinking about you know from like I cut I cut my hair this short in like fourth grade and then by the time I was 11 I was like yeah I like girls <laughs> I was like that was it going forward I was like yeah that, that totally tracks and that's what my life's gonna be so I showed up to high school like aggressively out um and it was like me and then like Liam and you know other people <laughs> theater kids are but it it kind of just ended up being a bunch of like gender non-conforming queer kids who were very confident in like already in their ability to deal with any kind of bullshit that got thrown their way and had weathered any kind of homophobia to the point where like once we got to Newark which was aggressively heterosexual we were like well whatever like yeah. okay interesting I like I I mean I remember getting called a fat like frequently certainly in freshman year I think they sort of warmed up to me after that point but the first person who called me a fat at Newark I laughed in their face <laughs> because I had been getting called he she and it in sixth grade you know like by that point and that's such a horrible thing to be like yeah I was used to it. It didn't affect me anymore <laughs> because that shouldn't be the reality of the situation. But it was like by that point, And I think it also had a lot to do with how I grew up and the openness of my household that I was so comfortable with myself that anybody's idea of trying to put shame on me or make me uncomfortable about showing up to a heterosexual space. was like, fuck you <laughs> it's not gonna happen you can try <laughs> no I love that attitude because I feel like the thing with me was like well you should you know you should just be straight <laughs> like it's like nobody was like you know oh you like stay in the closet like there was nobody ever in my life who was like no it's just this doesn't seem like your time like just don't do it like you're probably not you're just lying to yourself like it was there was never that conversation I think because nobody ever thought I was like it was right. like it was still when I came out in college people were like oh like that that explains a lot like <laughs> like it wasn't that feeling of like oh wait like I totally would have guessed that it was more of a feeling of like 
okay, now that you're saying it, it makes sense. But I, I don't know if I would have guessed it in high school because like I didn't I didn't really know. Like I hadn't come to terms with it. I didn't have any sort of like, you know, feelings of, oh, I need to like I need to come out. It was just more of a feeling of like, I keep saying like occasionally weird things that I don't think girls say to their friends. Like I just I what uh, I <laughs> like I don't know what's going on here. Um but yeah it's just <laughs> I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting that our experiences were so different. And I Entirely, yeah. It's really, Entirely. yeah, no, and it's honestly, it, it's good to talk about, like, it feels good to just be so, like, open about it, because yeah. it really is such a, an, a weird time, and I think perceptions of high school, and, like, I'd always guess that, like, the way that high school was for, you know, or, like, middle school, and just kind of growing up in Newark might have been different for us, just based on kind of you know, I, you know, I was deeply closeted versus, you know, somebody who's out. So just the differences in that. And I remember you, you know, like dating in high school, not to like air your, <laughs> your laundry in public, but like, you know, things like that. And it's like, for me, I was like, I don't even want a man to look at me. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I just, so I just, yeah, no, it's so, it's so interesting. And yeah, I'm really I glad we yeah, me too. Well, I'm really glad we could talk about yeah, it because it, yeah. it, I, I love having these discussions. I've actually, um, I hate, I don't like talking about this because it like, it kind of feels like bragging. I don't mean it as bragging, but I've had multiple people throughout my life, like, and one even happened recently where people who I've like lost touch with and then reconnected with, where I reconnect with them. And one of the very first things they do is they're like, you helped me realize I was a lesbian. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> If I do nothing in life, I want everyone to realize that they can be a lesbian. You too can be a lesbian. <laughs> well, um, and it's, and I, it's such a great example of how important representation is and this idea of just like seeing somebody who like, act, you know, acts like how you want to act because it was just yeah. this feeling of like, oh my God, wait, like <laughs> maybe maybe we're more alike than I thought. Like, <laughs> like suddenly we have a lot in common. Like, um, no, I love that. And I do, I think it's, you know, it's good. And it's, it sucks that it's so dependent on like a couple of people who are so publicly themselves and so out and so unapologetic and they have to take the brunt of so much like, you know, bullying and harassment and just yeah. like all of this stuff to be able to, you know, have people later come out and be like, oh, I, you know, that, that was actually, I could have also been out in high school. Like, yeah. actually, I was, you know, just repressing it. Yeah, it yeah. turned me into a very controversial person for a little while, because, you know, every once in a while, there's, those, you know, those threads on Twitter will pop up or something about how, like, the onus of responsibility for education shouldn't be on queer people when, like, hetero people or questioning people need answers about certain subjects and I would sit there and I'd read that and be like I don't know about that like kind of feels like the responsibilities on me because I have this knowledge and Google like just thinking back to my own experiences of like what I would Google versus ask a real human and the discrepancies there I would sit back and I'd read those kinds of threads and I'd be like maybe it sucks like sure sometimes it's annoying or they, people can ask offensive things, but like I personally would rather bear that responsibility and steer somebody in a good direction than watch them go learn harmful information somewhere else. Yeah. And 
then I thought about it and I realized it's much harder for people who have not been out the way I have, but like, I totally get it. I really get that perspective. Um, and that's definitely been one of the greater learning curves for me. Um, I was never a person to be like, well, if you're not out, you're not gay enough. If you're not out, then you have a responsibility to come out. If you're really in a relationship where somebody else is out, I've never been that person. I think that, you know, coming out is a very personal and important experience, but I do also think that <clears throat> once you are out, that if you can, and people have questions that sometimes you should try to answer them. No, I really get that because I do think it's, it's really nice to just be able to like see somebody who looks like yourself like I remember feeling such a sense of like god this is so embarrassing this is one of those moments of like you yes you were closeted like god we get it like but it's I would feel this sense of like solidarity when I'd see like like sapphic couples together like I would just like sit there and I'd be like yeah like I I'm not I don't know how to explain this feeling but like I definitely feel some sort of connection like I'm glad they're here and I was of course just like yeah ally like let's go like gay marriage but it's like wait you dumbass little gay kid listen that's so like, good Oh God. Yeah. And I'm like, if I shared the stuff that had been like going on in my head with other people, like if I had just like been online and had been like, Hey, is this like a straight thing that people like, do straight people do this? Like I would have had at least a couple people who are like, okay, we need to sit down and talk about this. Like, we, okay. Um, there's a, a lot to unpack here, <laughs> but I really, yeah, no, I love just like casual representation like not even the pressure of like you know necessarily sitting down and like teaching other people but I think there's so mm -hmm. much value in just like being present like I love the ability to like ask questions and you mentioned earlier being able to talk to a couple and just be like how does this work like what if like what's going on um yeah. but I think there's also something just really good about being able to see people and being able to either online like I remember um going through all of the like you know the lesbian blogs on tumblr like it would be like late at night and i'd be like scrolling through and i'd be like oh god they're so cute <laughs> they're adorable why does that resonate with me moving on <laughs> that's really i would spend like a whole night just like going through pictures and i'd be like wow i i feel a lot more connected with this than i do with like the straight stuff that i see but like i no like I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna go there like that's not for me <laughs> like, it's like oh I think it was actually but it's you know like I think about those moments now and I'm like I think that was so helpful for me developmentally and becoming more comfortable and I think in college it was this feeling of like suddenly being surrounded by queer people like I met this group of people it was like immediate where I was like wait I can name like seven or eight people who are all out like you know and I just felt mm -hmm. very like comfortable and ready and I was like you know what <laughs> like I've been keeping this on the deal for forever so I guess it's time now but it's you know in a way it's it's sad that it had to take that much like it had to take you know 20 years or whatever of like building up experiences and having small moments of like I think that's more meaningful than what I'm 
telling myself like I don't want to deal with that yet and I I don't know it's just kind of like I'm glad it happened when it did it's just it would have been nice to have avoided a lot of the stuff kind of in between and all of that weird confusion of like okay so why is it that I don't want to go on any dates with men like why why does this feel so uncomfortable for me like why do I not like attention <laughs> like, yeah, because oh. there was no presence for you and there was yeah no no understanding, no education on that. Just, yeah, you had to rely completely on yourself and then culturally what you thought you knew and, yeah. what, and what you perceived about yourself. It's, yeah, that's tough. It's the uh, the whole baby gay thing. It's like the people who <laughs> come out really late in life versus the people who are just like, I've been out since I was like eight years old. Like, this is not a question for me. Like, I've just, I, I've been, like, I have known this. <laughs> like my, my like dream since I was like 15 is I wanted to open, not like a foster home. Necessarily. Uh, have you seen The City on Netflix about the, no, what is it called? So. Well, anyway, the whole idea is I used to dream about being a mama dyke essentially and buying like a whole complex or whatever in San Francisco or like premier gay real estate area and having like renting it out to a bunch of baby gays and like being like a foster mom slash like support system slash like home for questioning queer kids sort of idea because I've been so comfortable for so long sort of thing that every single time I see a baby gay now I'm like you are my child <laughs> please let me help you let me support you uh, no I love the uh, the found family thing and I love the idea of like finding support systems I just think there's so so much importance in that that I think can get kind of lost along the way or like if you're not somebody who's part of the community like you don't necessarily get like you understand the concept of found family but you might not understand like how vital it is and how important it is for some people yeah because well, I, yeah, I think it's a lot of idea of they're just like oh well I guess you know gay people stick together and they think it's like a friendship thing they don't really understand how many of these people are coming from backgrounds of like internalized homophobia themselves or homophobia from their parents sort of thing and that it, it's not necessarily just about a sense of like shared gender or sexual identity but an actual like literal community of people you know I find like a lot of well-intentioned well-meaning people who are just like I don't get the whole pride idea like what do you why, why are you proud of like just you know being a person who likes women sort of thing I'm like you, you don't you can yeah. never conceptualize what it means to be a part of this like marginalized community and to celebrate that identity it'll just never make sense to people yeah no and it's really I remember first kind of like accepting it and being like well okay I remember texting a friend at one point and being like um I don't know how to explain this one but just hear me out and then like a couple months later I was like oh no we're going full send like we're just we're gonna tell everyone like we're just we're not holding back or anything like that but I just love the idea of like people finding each other and just the feeling of like you know, there's so much emotion that goes into it. Like it wasn't even like at the time that I was coming out, like I wasn't even like 
scared of it anymore. Like there was no sense of like, you know, what's going to happen to me, which is a huge privilege to be able to just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm ready. Like personally, I feel ready. I'm in an environment where I feel very comfortable and people understand me and won't question me or, you know, won't harm me or, you know, anything like that. Um, but it's like, you know, it was really powerful like not to be all like oh my god like I came into myself like I grew up but like it, it was a really kind of powerful moment to you finally did, be like yeah. yeah it's like and you know to find a label and to be like oh my god like I I only like women like I'm a lesbian like this is okay like it was so like freeing and I think that was one of the biggest things for me was coming out of like trying to figure out where exactly I fell and it was like you know what term works for me and like this is very much like a personalized thing of like if you even want a term, if you want a label, if you want to categorize yourself. Um, for me, this is just one of those where I found it and I was like, yeah, <laughs> like this, this absolutely makes sense for me. Like I, you know, I, I don't doubt it. Like it's not something where it makes me feel, you know, any sort of complicated mixing of emotions. Like it's just like, yes, this, this label makes sense for me. And this is yeah. like what feels comfortable. And like, I still have those moments where I'm like, I, I just get to date women forever. Like, I just like, this is good for me. <laughs> like literally that's how I was feeling. I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I have hit the jackpot. Like this is it. Like it doesn't get any better than this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A hundred, hundred percent. That's how I felt too. When I, when I really started, you know, I used to come out to people and be like, yeah, I'm gay or whatever. And then I'd use lesbian a little more. And then when I actually started like fully, always a hundred percent, whenever I introduced myself, people asked like gender or sexuality, I'd just be like, I'm a dyke. Like that's it. <laughs> like I am a dyke. Thank you for asking, you know, the whole, can I ask you a personal question thing? <laughs> And probably every day at Newark, can I ask you a personal question? You sure fucking can. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> there is, it's very powerful. There is, yeah. There, you know, there are a lot of arguments about labeling sort of thing and <clears throat> people get in such a tizzy over it and about education and they're like, do I have to teach every letter of the LGBTQA? They do the whole alphabet soup thingy. I I hate that so much but like the point is behind it like they're like do I have to teach every letter of this acronym and it's like yeah yes can you just <laughs> sometimes the words are really important yeah. they really are it's self-validity just yeah. yes just say it no absolutely because it's it's really one of those things where I can always tell who like doesn't have anybody in their life who's like queer or can like help them because they'll get really stuck on the letters and they'll be like I like they'll they won't remember the order or like they won't remember like what the words mean and they'll kind of you can see like the hesitation and like I'm not gonna like invalidate anybody's like learning journey or anything like that but it's like it it does feel very evident I think sometimes the way that people will ask questions or in the way that they'll talk about it or just kind of be like oh the the community <laughs> and it's like you know and it's like I think it's really important in those moments to be like hey if I don't know maybe it's time for me to educate myself like this yeah. is one of those things where it's like if I want to I'll sit down and explain it to somebody but it's also like it shouldn't necessarily be you know something where every time somebody's like hey what what exactly does this acronym mean what does this mean to people what's the idea with labeling it's like 
you can find all the discourse online. Yeah, like it's, def- it's- and that's certainly another one of those is I've had people, uh, like even recently I had someone ask me like, well, what's the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality? And I was like, I'm going to be totally real with you. I will not answer this question because I don't identify as those things or as, the, as bi or pan. And so I can, I'm not going to give you a, a definition that you can look up or that you could instead maybe find out from somebody with that identity, you know, because there's not a strict answer to these things. And like asexuality, I have no experience with asexuality and I'm not going to answer a question about what I think mm-hmm. being ace is because I'm not ace. That's not a question for me. I can tell you, well, the A is asexuality. There, run with that. Like, <laughs> go find out. So. Yeah, no, because I think that's a really important point that kind of gets lost along the way of like, the experience isn't the same for everybody like the def and the definitions vary so much Mm -hmm. because it is labels I mean it's labels that people kind of they feel comfortable with and they understand it in a way that applies to them so it's like I I can't explain really what anything other than like lesbian truly means like I can explain and even then I can only explain it within my personal lens and this is coming from somebody where I mean this is like my field like I this is the stuff that I research and I care about and I read about all the time and it's like I still don't feel comfortable taking up the space and being like yeah this is like I'll tell you what the letter means but other than that I'm like I'm not going to try and define what that is or you know try and tell you one way or another and it's I think it's also just because the labels change like the way that people identify and the definition they might use will change okay so what do you think you were told about sex so like if you could sum up kind of like what your takeaway was supposed to be from all of it like if you're thinking about you know family friends fan fiction like anything like that what were the what were you supposed to think about sex based on those things yeah no so I was definitely taught either well you and yourself two people or more like I was taught the full like spectrum of sex can be between individuals or many like however many other partners like I was taught that um I definitely got the the love aspect of it you know there's no discussion of like hookup culture sort of thing it was more just about it's about people who love each other or you loving yourself wanting to bring pleasure to yourself or the the people that you love sort of thing like that's what I was taught about sex I think with every source like you know sex ed don't have sex notwithstanding (laughs) like my my major takeaway was that no I think that's really honestly really like powerful because that's (laughs) that's so different from what a lot of people are taught because it's usually more of an idea of like don't do it at all Mm -hmm. and it's like you know yeah there's a focus on the love aspect but I think it's almost more of an emphasis on like the fear part of it like it's more like the scaring people out of it means more like even if you are in love with this person like you know it's probably for the best you wait or be older or like just like just Uh wait and they never give you like a time frame they never tell you like there's (laughs) no there's no age they're just kind of like just just wait and you'll know and it's like that was never helpful like that's always one of my biggest pet peeves when like teachers people things is being like oh I'll tell you when you get older and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way about that because it's like well sometimes it's you know what does that mean when I get older like when are are, can we set like a a day like is there like a time that this conversation can come up again like I just I don't really know how to take that Yeah. yeah 
no, I, uh, I just, I really love that idea of just emphasizing the idea of love without the fear aspect, not to say, I, <laughs> it sounds no, really no, totally. like, you know, wish it does, but it, but I, I even <laughs> like, I'll think about it. It sounds very hippy dippy sort of like idea of me, but that's, and, and I always do like, I love this. And I was like, I was a weird kid because I was like, I a hundred percent do not think that my experience was similar to very many other kids at all. I am extremely open about sex and sexuality. And that's, totally due to my background and what I was allowed to be taught and allowed to understand about myself from, <laughs> from an early age, you know, and I, I have no expectation ever that other people <laughs> had the same kind of experience, um, have no expectation that when I'm just like, sure, we can talk about this, that people will be comfortable doing so. Cause I'm very like, no shame about sex thing. So I, I, I don't like the idea of telling people that they can't have discussions about sex or putting a lock on any kind of discussion about sex. Like I will in public, if there aren't, you know, like children around, I will talk about a sexual experience because I don't, I just don't think there should be that much shame on it. It's such a Christian puritanical idea in society and it pisses me off constantly <laughs> and, and I, that's one of, again one of the things about like fan fiction like I'll be totally honest I still read fan fiction sometimes and I'm a real baby about it and I will not read fan fiction with homophobia and transphobia and stuff in it because I'm like I want a I want a love story I want Shit's Creek I want a universe where homophobia just doesn't even exist <laughs> don't give it to me I'm sure you've seen me tweet about it you know the show Black Sails Yes. <laughs> Pirate show. The whole thing is about being gay. Like the main character is a gay man and he literally goes to war because England killed his lover you know, like, because of shame in society, and he, like, starts a whole pirate war because of this, and the whole quote in the show is, my truest love, no, no shame, like, that's the entire overarching idea of the entire series, is not to be ashamed of being gay, <laughs> it's a pirate show, that's what it is, and, like, that's how I've then tried to approach life, and, like, would be my ideal sort of utopian society situation is where we would just stop teaching kids that they should be ashamed of these things that they should yeah. be ashamed of any kind of sex or gender or identity or sexuality or or f like discovering and looking into who they are like and you know, like hookup culture can be a really important thing because it can help a lot of people discover what they don't like. And if we had like better sex ed or we had people not learning dumbass things on Google, maybe they would find out what they do and don't like a lot earlier and not go forward in, and not just on sex, but like just why does kissing a boy not feel right for me? Why Why do I not want to be perceived by men? <laughs> like, literally, why don't I want them to look at me with that kind of look? And if if we didn't have that sense of shame about all of those things, we'd have a lot healthier kids in terms of mental health and, and being able to express themselves. Absolutely. 
that's my big soapbox thing <laughs> that makes me so mad. Like homophobia makes me mad because it's about shame and it's about trying to teach somebody that they're different and wrong. And that whole idea is horribly oppressive and disgusting. And and to experience it as someone who's been out as long as I have, and then the moments when someone does say something hateful to me and it does hurt, I get, it's upsetting. It's upsetting because it affects me. I'm like, oh, it shouldn't affect me because I'm so proud of myself. You know, is my, I actually get really down on myself when I get upset and I'm like, you, like, why are you being so stupid about this? You're really proud of who you are. Why does it still hurt you that someone says this to you? But it's because that's, it's, you know, it's not just a single person saying it to me. That's a societal idea saying that to me. That sucks. And that that beats me down after all I've weathered. And then I think about all the people who don't have, didn't have the kind of childhood I did and don't have and haven't reached the kind of place that I have and what they experience that's worse than that. No, and I, there's like two kind of main things that came out of that. And I think one of it is like, you can still be proud of yourself and still be hurt by the comments that people make. You know what I mean? Like I, and I, I think that's such a terrible thing to have to tell people and be like, no, it doesn't make you any less yourself. If you're hurt by mean comments, like it's, you know, people will say mean things. Like people will act in certain ways, might not be toward you, but it might be towards someone you love, might be towards someone, you know. Um, and it's just, I think it's really important to be like, yeah, you know what? still hurt like you know like that that comment still really really sucked but it doesn't make me any less of who I am it doesn't you know make me want to shrink back and do anything you know that kind of idea or if it does make you want to shrink back it's like you know you like you got this like I promise like it's there are people out there who understand you and want to be there for you and it's you know it might not be the people you're currently surrounded by it might not be your school might not be your family but like there are i promise you there are so many people who are actually like there for you and do you yeah. want to be there because I think that's one of those things that I wish people kind of had told me growing up because I really did it wasn't like a feeling of like you know oh I'm so alone like I you know can't find it because I, I wasn't fully aware of like how deeply closeted I was so yeah. I didn't have that feeling of like dread or feeling like I had to hide a piece of myself it was just more of a feeling of like I didn't get to fully explore myself and fully kind of understand who I was and it took a long time for me to actually get there and it was a feeling of like fear and shame and stuff exactly what you're talking about and it's like yeah. that's so devastating yeah and, and then because like people don't come out until they're you know, 50s, 60s, you have people coming out, or then you have the, the other side of that, of people who never come out, and then instead, they just beat the shit out of other queer people, you know, like the toxic levels of internalized homophobia, like just what we've done collectively, because we're not willing to have these discussions, or, or have a, you know, again, going back to like a sex ed that just broaches these topics <laughs> even a little bit, um, I think could, you know, genuinely save lives. Yeah. No. And then the other thing that you're talking about with black yeah. sales, um, this is one of those things that I think about constantly is this yeah. desire for media that doesn't surround coming out. Like it's not about the feeling of like, yeah. you know, having to come out to family or come out to friends or like the pressure where the big like climax of the film is like, you know, being honest with somebody and coming out. And it's like, those are, those are beautiful. And I'm glad we have them and they're really important, but it's like 
sometimes you just want want to watch people be happy too like yeah. you know it's just you just want to watch or you want to watch a whole bunch of like pirates you know be gay and literally <laughs> like, no, like no seriously I've talked about this I'm like why why can't we just have you know like a like Transformers level like trash film that just has gay people in it yes. like I, I not every story has to be this like art film with coming out and homophobia and personal struggle and drama and really devastating themes and romance and stuff sometimes you could just have a good happy queer story it's possible i promise it doesn't have to be porn either like you can just make something nice just do it please yeah no because it really is like one thing that i've seen a lot now because it's around the holiday season is this idea of like like, you know, just like a hallmark level, just like we want to see like, you know, two women or two men just like fall in love with each other during the holidays. Like, yeah. I just, I want bad dialogue. Yeah. I want like, you know, uncomfortable, like maybe funny, but like not really scenes, you know, that kind of like that feeling like of secondhand like, embarrassment. Yeah. Where you're yeah. like, okay, this is really bad but like I can't stop watching and like I want that so much like it's yeah. just it's such a simple request to be like I just want to see it like I just I I just I want it <laughs> like please provide this and yeah. it's like we just keep asking for it and I think we're finally reaching a point where people are realizing that that's something that can make money like that's like a thing that people would go yeah. out for and like they would really because I um like, I'm not going to compare, like, the book industry and movies, because I, I understand books. I, I don't know anything about movies, but, like, we're starting to see the surge of, like, just, like, unapologetic, like, you know, love stories that are, you know, like, I've, I've read, I think, maybe three or four YA sapphic love stories that are just about two girls falling in love. Like, that's, yeah. that's the whole story, is pretty much just them being, like, yeah, I I think I have a crush. Like I oh my god, like I don't know what to do. and it's like it's so cute and so freeing and it's so validating for people yeah. and it's like thank you. Like <laughs> thank like even yes. being somebody who's been out, like it's kind of a feeling of like like I'm not in high school anymore, but like when I read those I'm like, yes, thank you. Like this is good. Like I just wanted something heartfelt and just yeah. like where you finish it and you're smiling rather than you finish it and you're like that was emotional devastating yeah like, you're sobbing <laughs> yeah you're like I'm glad there are gay people in it but I'm like I can't recover like at what cost <laughs> yeah oh, definitely but, yeah, yeah. I, um I think about this is gonna be a paraphrase but there's um there's an Ian e. Forster novel called Morris which is one of my favorite books it was published posthumously um because it's a gay novel and it ends happily um, and he actually has a quote where he's like, I shouldn't have been bothered to write it if I didn't give it a happy ending. Because like, what, like, was, was my main, was he supposed to suffer? Was he supposed to have a terrible ending just because he's a gay man? Why, why bother? Um, and yeah, like, sure, those, those stories are fine to be told. They're good to be told. But I'm tired of the tragedy porn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really tired of it. Yeah. It's like, I just want to, you know, watch something light and easy, like, even if it's cheesy, even if it's yeah. poorly written, like, even if it's, you know, not super original, it's like, because there's a, a huge thing now, which you might have seen kind of this debate of like, 
cliches versus like new ideas and this idea mm-hmm. that like you know cliches are old like you need to stay away from them like I can't stand them when they're used and it's like I love tropes I love cliches and it's like part yeah. of that is probably because I never see myself in them it's like all yeah, of those, you're, yeah, yeah all of those things that are like oh the <laughs> the one bed idea or the like you know enemies to lovers it's like I don't yeah. see that nobody's ever given that to me so it's yeah. it's you know I am so desperate for it at this point I'm like no give me as many tropes as you possibly can fit into yes. something like absolutely yes I'm 100 there yes 100 there like use them use them all it does not matter you know they're foundational for a reason who gives a shit I don't care if you <laughs> over there are tired of this trope I haven't seen like and especially for me like we're getting sapphics in media cool I do not see dykes like I don't see gender non-conforming sapphics I see a lot of pretty femme sapphics because they're palatable like you know there's an idea about even as we stretch into more queer media what's palatable for the rest of society for other people just consuming queer media and that's I mean that's a whole other (laughs) type of conversation but like that's that's it's so sad that we're at this point where we we have to have those we can't even get to have those conversations because we don't even have the bare minimum yet (laughs) we don't even have that many sassy pretty fed ladies in media anyway (laughs) why do we even start talking about seeing other types of like other types of lesbians represented we need the other ones first yeah i really do feel like it's such a trade-off of like like I want more for us like I want there Mm -hmm. to be more stuff and I also want to be critical and I think there's such a hard balance between no I promise to you just because I'm criticizing this and just because I'm saying I I, I'm tired of seeing historical lesbian films or whatever it might be doesn't mean I I don't want to see them you know it's like just because I'm a little bit tired of this and just because this is what we're seeing over and over again does not mean I don't actually want to see them like it's valid to criticize without being like no I'm good like you're no more like it's you know just stop making like historical films I like to say that if I wasn't criticizing it I didn't care and that's yeah. so much worse. Like, if, yeah. if I don't have a critical thought about it, that means I really just don't <laughs> even have a thought about it. No. Yeah, no. And I, I really think the palatable thing is really important too, because it's like, I, you know, I think about movies like Love, Simon, which are so important and so, you know, like mainstream and just kind of like it's meant for people and it's kind of like, you know, a beautiful love story, but it's also definitely written in a way that's very friendly and very kind of chaste and young. And it's like, mm-hmm. I love that we're starting to get there, but it's also like, we're not seeing that much for adults either. It's like, I want to see a whole bunch of 20 somethings who are, you know, out and dating and trying their best. I want to see, you know, people in their thirties and their forties, people who are just kind of like, you know, like a, <laughs> I don't want to say this, but like a, a little bit less of a dramatic L word. Like, how about we get something that's just, yeah. just a little no, bit Absolutely. I mean, I have have consumed probably like every possible gay movie that's ever been made. (laughs) Like genuinely, like I've watched them all. And then I, I turned to the point where I was going on, you know, Reddit lists for the most homoerotic films because I've seen every gay film at that point sort of idea. (laughs) And you know, it it is like, it's either porn or it's campy or it's really devastating emotional drama. And it's, a lot of it's not good, and a lot of it's indie, just terrible, terrible film. Not even in the like, oh, this is like cringe because it's bad dialogue sort of way, but just like poorly made movies sort of thing. 
and you know and then you get stuff like love simon and you're like yes this is wonderful but again please like make me something with yeah, i don't know anybody in college or somebody yeah. who's a little older that's a little more of a compelling story and again not a coming out story about a very affluent white gay kid yeah <laughs> um you know moonlight's moonlight great really big deal oh, yeah. that it won the awards it did and i mean to have a, a story about especially queerness in the black community was a huge deal and they didn't even kiss in the end you know like i think about that a lot like they didn't kiss they were just sort of like sitting there holding each other and it was nice it was really nice it was tender but that was also kind of, it was palatable like it really was yeah you know no, it's yeah i want to it's like and it's really hard to explain because it's like i i'm not necessarily asking for like you know, graphic content. I'm not mm -hmm. asking. It's like when I say like, I want something more, it's like, I just want to see people who are like dating, like in the same way when I watch rom-coms, like straight rom-coms, I want to have that same feeling. You want to see the same level of what we see in straight rom-coms and stuff and straight dramas, like heterosexual love interests. Like you just want to see that same level of intimacy on screen for queer people without it being a big deal. Absolutely. It's like, I want to reach the point where it doesn't even need to necessarily be like, you know, oh, we, we have a gay film. Like, it's just like something where it's like, oh, great. Like we have options of gay films. Like we have things for different people in the community that different people can relate to that are love stories for us that make sense and are look like us and act like us. And, you know, like, I don't, like even stuff where it's like it makes like they make jokes that make sense to us like I feel like there's so many little like like things that come up in the community and little yeah. references and little just kind of like experiences that people sort of understand but like I think people hear them more often than like because <laughs> like I'm lesbian like a lot of the people around me are gay you know or out in some capacity and it's like <laughs> you know like I'm surrounded by certain jokes and inside jokes and information that I just assume everyone else also is exposed to and then I'll make a <laughs> comment and they'll like the you know the jokes about you know like gay people walking fast and stuff yeah, like that where, yeah like I'll make that comment and like certain people look at me and it's like this isn't to like you know rag on them or anything because how are they supposed to know but I'm just like I'll, I'll make a comment and they'll be like what <laughs> like what are yeah. you talking about and yeah. I'm like and that's why it's so important to have people who get you and get your community and are part of your community writing yeah. your story it's because yes. we can like and that again about the writing thing you know all the conversations right now exist around they're like no you should have like a gay man play a gay man on or in the movie and i get where that's coming from but it's genuinely more important to me to have a lesbian write a lesbian character than it is for me to see a lesbian play that lesbian character and i mean that so sincerely and i get a lot of flack for it but i like genuinely do not care on that level because what I need is an authentic story. Yeah. Well, cause it's, it's really, I mean, we end up in all these debates now about like, you know, some of the top movies are not written even by women, like not even yeah. just like not written by like, <laughs> like, you know, gay women. It's like just not written by women in general. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, 
what? And, and then we're told like we should be, you know, grateful for that or like that's, yeah. you know, a good thing. And it's like, yeah, I love seeing people who look like myself on screen, but like it's not written for me. Like I don't have nope. any connection to this film whatsoever because it's not it just, it's not for me. Like it's, it's just, it's missing components that are so key to who I feel like I am and who my friends are and just Mm -hmm. like what it feels like to grow up. And I, I think there's, I'm like trying to think if there's been any sort of contemporary examples where I've watched something and I've been like, yeah, that actually, like that character feels like me, like I'm reading it and I'm like, yes, that is like, that's a lesbian written by a lesbian. Like, I feel like that's so, it's really, it's kind of, rare and it's it's just like I don't know I I don't want to sit here and be like no like only certain people can write certain stories but it's you know there is a certain kind of like understanding and a certain kind of dialogue and just like a certain way of approaching things that are different when you're actually in a community mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yes <laughs> there is yeah uh just yeah totally about an authenticity to it and again just the understanding the jokes the yeah the yeah yeah because it's it's like I don't it's I don't even know how to explain it it's just like it's a subculture like it's you know people have jokes they have references that they make you know like there's certain people where you know I keep keep referencing the l word which is absolutely cursed but like it's the same idea of like you know there's certain people who really get that and it's like you know there's jokes that come out of it like if I talk about like Shane there's like a certain group of women who get what I'm talking about they're like you know because it's yeah of course Shane was developmentally important for me of course I have a type I get it I see it (laughs) but it's like I don't know it's it's just like not to, you know, pull on the same point, but it really is just something about feeling like it was written for you and like having the feeling of like that, that's your friends, like that is your environment. That's, or even just like wish fulfillment of like, I wish those were my friends because yes. they, they get me. Like yes. It's a very much idea of your voice mattering and your life mattering and and what you participate in daily in the culture and the found family of yours like what you have found and and insinuated yourself into the kind of life that you have built seeing that on screen (laughs) or again the idea of like a queer kid seeing that on screen and they're not out and they don't have that yet and the ability to look at that and be like I could Mm -hmm. no it really yeah it just it provides such a sense of like hope and just such a sense of like I don't it's like I don't know because it's going to be different for everybody but I really do think there's such a a wonderful thing of just being able to see people and just being able even if they're not real even if they are fictional characters they're written by somebody who you know probably resonates with them in some way might be part of the community you know and you can you can feel connected like it's like it's like it's a group it's people who understand you and even if you even if you don't fully understand yourself yet like even if you're still questioning and you're like I don't know where I fit in in all of this but I just want to I just want to see it's like that's Mm -hmm. perfect it's we need stuff out there so people can question and it's less of a like you know it's either you're one or another or you fit in one place you don't fit in another it's like no it's it's try things out like here's different types of media here's you know different things here's you know yeah I just think that's really really important um and then kind of shifting gears a little bit so um 
now that I feel like we've gotten a sufficient tangent. I know. Um, how has your understanding of sex changed over time? Like, has it? I mean, because you're, you were coming from a place of somebody who kind of had experience, like, I don't want to say experience, but like you, you were, you had education beforehand and you started yeah. pretty young. Like, do you feel like anything changed as you got older or was it kind of, you hit a point and you were like, okay, I think I kind of get it. <laughs> like, No, I definitely. So, I mean, I would say when you were hesitating to say experience, it's like perfectly accurate. And now <laughs> I would say it too. It's like, I had a lot of knowledge. Um, I had a lot of understanding sort of thing, but I, didn't have sex for the first time till I was in college. Um, and like, again, not the whole idea of like, Oh, that's so late. Like whatever, you know, like that's a dumb idea. <laughs> like there's a, there's a period where you're supposed to be having sex sort of thing. But, um, I've also only had sex with one person, you know, and, and I didn't actually have my own sexual experiences. Like I didn't, I didn't masturbate until I was in, like late college, early grad school sort of idea, just because I was like, well, I mean, it was also, you know, I'm living in a house with another person and Jazz and I shared a room a lot <laughs> sort of idea. So I was like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, <laughs> that doesn't feel right for me. Um, so like, personally, just my understanding of sex shifted from an understanding of sex from a third person point of view to an actual like first person this is how I feel this is what sex is like for me um and like how I'm going to approach having sexual relationships sort of idea so yeah definitely changed getting yeah older. absolutely no and I think that's a great point because it's you know you can study all you want and like you can read your blog posts and you can like yeah. you know ask questions but it's like it's it's really difficult to actually fully understand like yourself and what it's like to be with a partner and like just like everything until you're <laughs> like actually in the situation and it's like and I think in a way that makes people kind of scared or like it feels like they might not know what to expect and it's like no you like all of that preparation all of that studying all of that education is helpful like it's yeah. it's good to go in with an understanding of you know your body with your partner's body like kind of what you're going to actually be doing but I also think it's you know there just have to be an understanding that like you're not going to know everything like it's no. there's, <laughs> there's going to be stuff you have to figure out and piece together yeah no, and I, yeah, no, I, I, I always really like kind of emphasizing that point of like, you don't need to know everything. Like this is coming from somebody who's like constantly like, no, I do need to know everything before I make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. I was like before, cause, cause this was me and my, my ex-girlfriend sort of thing is the, the one person that I, I had sexual experiences with sort of thing. Um, and like, we kind of like, you know, decided on a day that we were going to have sex sort of idea. So, you know, beforehand, I'm like looking up tutorials online, I'm, like Googling, like best ways to eat a girl out, like sort of thing. Like, and, you know, when I, then I actually got into the situation, I was like, why did I look at a chart? <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> like, that was really dumb. It didn't, do okay, I have a general working idea, but it's not a working idea of anything. Like, I'm here now and have to do what I have to do now in this situation, you know? So that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think that's such a like honest human thing of like there's such a trade-off too. And I I know people always frame it in this idea of like inexperience versus experience, but it's like 
I, in theory, every time you're going into it, it's, it's a new experience. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you've had prior experience or not, it might be different in one circumstance or another. And I think it's really important to just be open to that and realize yeah. that like, you know, your attitudes are going to change and grow as you get older. And like, just because you think, you know, everything with one partner, doesn't mean it's going to yeah, stay that same for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. No. And I, yeah, no, I, cause it's, I think one of the things with this podcast is kind of this idea of like education and opening these doors and these conversations. But also like, there's only so much that can be taught. Like it's, you know, there's kind of a point when you have to be like, yeah, no, it's, it's good to know. And it's good to understand, but it's also like, it's good to get experience too. If you so want that, like if you choose for that to be, you know, your path and you're interested, it's like, it's, it's good to have your field experience. It's good to actually get out there and, and kind of understand. And that's really the best way to actually get an idea of what's going on and best way to understand your body, best way to understand a partnership and what you expect from a relationship and, you know, pretty much everything. It's like, there's a a lot that kind of goes into it and it's not to, you know, sound like it's this really big life-changing decision, but for some people it really is. And I, I think that's, you know, it's, okay to validate that and it's okay to feel that way yeah no and then okay so kind of wrapping up just kind of pulling it all together what do you hope to see in the future that's taught about sex so is there anything where like if you could go back and you're talking to like you know your 15 16 year old self what would you what would you say oh um well (laughs) If I was talking about the theater six-year-old self, I'd definitely be like, try to find a way to masturbate earlier. (laughs) I know that's dumb, but like, (laughs) that was a big deal for me, figuring out what the orgasm was. I was like, oh shit, this is kind of, this is a thing. Um, That's interesting. Um, And like, there, like, for that, and then for that, like, I actually wish that in sex ed, that masturbation was a topic that was... I'm gonna say touched on. I didn't mean it like that, but like <laughs> genuinely. Um, and it's it's hard because I, you know, there there's the whole taboo about like hey, don't teach like don't teach kids how to have sex sort of thing. But I really wish actual sex was discussed in sex ed and not just you know insert here and like here's what the parts are sort of thing. It's just a ridiculous way to approach it that I would like sex ed to move away from abstinence entirely. I would like sex ed to move into actual facts. And I would like an emphasis on consent, continued consent, and appreciating and understanding your own body. I I think I would like not individualized in the sense of like sit down with your teacher and discuss your body individualized, but I mean like approach sex ed not from the idea that you are a woman who will have sex with a man one day and you are a man who will have sex with a woman one day. Like we need to get the fuck away from that and make sex ed about you are a person who may or may not experience sex. Here's a healthy way to approach that. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I love that. 100% agree. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I, if you have any other stories you want to share, you're more than welcome, but uh, I don't have any more questions for you. So I'm all set. All right. Thank you. 
Hi everyone, before we, you know, tune out, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex Ed Taught Me. Thank you for supporting this podcast and supporting this kind of, you know, ridiculous hodgepodge idea that I came up with. Uh, just, you know, because I wanted to see it and try it out and see what happens. Um, a huge thank you to Jake Miller, who is the editor and kind of just the, he mixes the podcast, he puts this all together for us. Um, I honestly think he's the reason why you're even hearing it right now. So a uh, huge, huge thank you to him and huge thank you to our guests who are coming onto the show. Um, if you are interested, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sex Ed Taught Me. So hopefully it should be pretty easy to find. Uh, and if you want to send anything in to us, if you would like to be a guest, if you just have a funny story you'd like to share, if you have any questions or things you want to clarify or whatever reason it might be, you can also email us at sexedtaughtme at gmail.com. Uh, But again, thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.